Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. The Christian Girl's Guide to Modern Dating. We are just two single girls trying to help you navigate dating well as Christian women. Yes. And thanks for coming back for our second episode of season four. Y'all, this is going to be a doozy. It is. We have quite a lot of notes. We have like, yeah, four pages of notes, I think. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like that much, but normally we sit down with... Oh gosh, it is four. Normally if we sit down with two pages, we're like, oh, this is going to be a long episode, so... Apologize in advance for however long you may have to sit here and listen to us talk. (laughs) Well, and we typically try to, when it comes to the more quote unquote serious topics, we write out more specifically what we're going to say instead of just like bullet points. True. So, because we want to make sure we say what we actually mean. Yes. And ad-libbing ridiculously and be like, why in the world did I say that like that? That was a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. And this is one of those topics. Mm -hmm, For sure. So... Quick recap from last week, if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet. We told you guys we're starting a whole series here for the next five weeks on what is the point of dating. And so we're going to look at several different themes over the next few weeks as far as like things that all together make up the point of dating. And even more specifically within that dating as a Christian. And so the first one today that we're going to be talking about is marriage. Marriage is what brings us together together today. Oh my word. You haven't even ever seen that movie, have you? What is it from? Princess Bride. No, I haven't. You're such a poser. No, No, I haven't. You haven't haven't seen Princess Bride. No. But I know that line. Yes. So of all things that need a little more prep and a little more seriousness, this is a good one. Yes. But before we get into that, let's go with our question of the day. It's my first question of the season. Yay. Are you ready for this? I'm never ready, but okay, go (laughs) for it. So if you could rid the world of one thing with no consequences, what would it be? And I don't, don't be all like super serious and say like world hunger. Is it bad that my first thought was cockroaches? <laughs> no, that's an awesome one. Um, or just like bugs in general. That's Honestly, a perfect one. That would be, I am absolutely terrified of all bugs. That's They're annoying. They bite me. They like make me scream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All bugs. Yes. Perfect. That's my What about instinct. spiders? Do they go with that? Oh, for sure. Okay. I so know they're not technically creepy an crawly insect. things. Yeah. If I could do rodents too, I'd like, I'd group them all. Snakes. Well, we can let you. And that it can creepy be allowed. animals. Okay. Possums. Um, <laughs> I've got a long list, Possums, y'all. raccoons, squirrels. Yeah. Raccoons don't really bother me that much for what some mean? reason. Possums just look like giant rats. That's true, they do. So, yeah, fair enough. That would be mine. Okay. Um, very insensitive answer to all the problems of the world as I selfishly... No, I wanted it to be like... <laughs> okay. Light and breezy. Okay, great. <laughs> breezy. All right, um, your turn. Rain. Oh, that's appropriate. As it floods I, it in Atlanta. Floods here. I was walking through the rain to get up here and I was like, oh my word. Now it's purely vain on my part because y'all, I have the frizziest hair known to man and I can walk outside for two minutes in the rain and I can just feel my hair growing. Like, have you seen the episode of Monica in okay, Friends? I was literally just thinking of Barbados. I want to take are? you to the Caribbean just to see if your hair will do oh. that. No, it it would. I guarantee you, it would get really close to Monica level. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, I would, lo- like I said, no consequences. Yeah. The ecosystems or yeah. whatever would continue to function just yes. fine without rain. Without rain. But yeah, if I could get rid of rain, that would be great. That's a, that's a good answer. Okay, so now that we got the fun stuff out of the way. <laughs> let's dive let's talk. deep. Yeah. So the point, one big point of this series is we wanted to dive deep into some of the topics that we've alluded to. We've kind of glossed over when it comes to like the point of dating before and really get into the meat of it a little. And you guys know one of the things that we have talked about since the beginning of this podcast, it's one of the big reasons we started this podcast, is the I kiss dating goodbye and courtship culture that was so massively popular in the late 90s, early 1000s. And then has continued to kind of carry over into Christian dating still. And I would say whether you have ever been in a courtship yourself or have even really ever heard of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, if you've tried dating in a Christian context for any length of time, you have been affected by this, whether you know it or whether you knew that's what it was or not. And I think despite the best of intentions and a lot of good principles in that mentality, that whole culture has sent Christian dating backwards and almost paralyzed an entire generation. Our generation, a lot for a lot of people, in trying to figure out how to do this whole dating thing. 
No, I completely agree. And what I think is so interesting is Bethany and I grew up with very different experiences as far as day. We were both raised in Christian homes, so that was the same. But um, our experiences were different, and yet this totally affected both of us in different ways, but still affected us. And it's kind of just, like Bethany said, bled into our dating culture in a what was intended to be a positive way and I think has done more harm than good, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and has confused a lot of people as to, and I think it's so interesting because you hear, like my parents say this all the time, yours probably do too, but like uh, dating was so different back in our day. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, it was. it was. And I agree. And if we could go back to that, I totally would because it yeah. seemed so much more simple. And mm-hmm. I had to like sit down and have that conversation with my parents a few months ago. I was like, y'all didn't have social media. Y'all didn't have texting. Y'all didn't have online dating. Y'all yeah. didn't have any of this. It was so simple to y'all. Yes. But you didn't have any of these other complications on top of this cultural yeah, norm is what it mm-hmm. became. So yes, it's different. And then, you know, you look at this generation that's kind of unknowingly embraced this. Yeah. Or not un- I don't know if it's unknowingly, but kind of... You were told that this is what you do. Yeah, exactly. A lot of, and yeah. so we get to the point where, you know, our parents and their generation are like holding up marriage, this like ultimate goal, almost with like a holier than thou state of being. And then the courtship culture on top of that has made it harder and harder for Christian singles to move from single to dating to married because they removed an entire part of the process. Like you can't go single to dating to married if you take out dating. Like it just doesn't work that way. Call it whatever you want to. Courtship, dating, whatever. The mindset and the desire to honor the Lord can be accomplished regardless. It's not that, well, if you don't do it this certain little way, you're not going to be honoring God because like you said, texting wasn't a thing then. Online dating wasn't a thing a generation ago. And so if their way of doing it and this old way of doing it is the only way to honor the Lord, well then you've, like I said, you've paralyzed an entire generation of people. And I think we see that in a lot of our dating interactions. And we have heard from so many girls since we started this podcast who have asked, I don't understand what's going on. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. One, because nobody talks about it. But two, because I feel like I'm the only person that feels like this. And so a big part of why we're doing this is that you're not. There's nothing wrong with wanting to pursue marriage. We're pursuing marriage. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But how you go about it has a big impact on what that looks like in practicality. Now, when you think about it, there are a few, I guess, specific things we want to talk about in regards to the courtship culture that have really affected the way that our generation has dated over the last several years. Yeah. Um, So... (laughs) One of them is Bethany's favorite word, you know, being intentional. (laughs) And she's going to get into more of this and why this made her hate this word even more. But this is one of those things where we can see the good mindset behind it. Like we, I don't think that it's, let me say it this way. I personally don't want to date as a recreational activity. Okay. That's such a good way of putting it. I that. don't want to just bounce around. Yeah. <laughs> like Lily says, and I want from one little pretty flower to the next little pretty flower. You know, I want to be purposeful and intentional yes. with how I date. So I get that. The concept is fantastic. Yes. And I would say the concept is godly. Mm-hmm. We don't serve a God who is a God of chaos. There's nothing chaotic about the way the Lord operates. There's nothing chaotic about what he requires of us. And so to be intentional, to use the word, and to be purposeful and to be orderly is godly. That is a godly pursuit. Now, this really is where I started to hate this word is because you're, oh, be intentional and you just need to be intentional about what you're doing. And everyone throws that around like everyone knows what it means, but nobody explains what that means. So it gets morphed into this idea that you have to be intentional and that means if you're pursuing marriage that you have to know you want to get married before you do anything else and then if you aren't sure of that then you're not being intentional with the person you're dating and that is just not true that is not a realistic outlook of relationships at all that's not a realistic outlook on anything like in what other area of life do you make a major decision without like checking into it or asking questions or like 
I mean, not to trivialize it here, but due diligence. Like, yeah, you don't go buy a house you've never seen or looked at or asked questions about or got, yeah. you know, not, I, obviously dating is way more complex <laughs> than that, but no other area of life is this accepted or okay. Right. And so yet why would it be here? Yeah. And it's been communicated to us, oh, this is fine for you to expect to yeah. make this huge jump totally unrealistically. And so what that does is it put, it front loads commitment in a relationship. It puts all this pressure on committing to someone that you don't hardly even know. And again, I'm all for commitment. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but in its proper time and place. So if you are dating with the, the point of dating is marriage, you're obviously wanting to get to commitment. But I don't expect any sort of commitment from someone on a first date or a second date. You can't front load the commitment like that because then it's going to outpace reality. And that was held up as this good thing a lot in that courtship culture. And what that looks like is guys don't ask a girl out because they don't know if they want to marry her, obviously, but they're told you're leading her on. And then girls don't want to lead a guy on and they're told that if they entertain his perceived interest, then you better only do that if you want to marry him. Like, don't encourage that unless you want to marry him. How are you going to know that? You're not. And so you put all this pressure on commitment too early and you end up not knowing what to do because it's, you feel like you should be making a decision of, at marriage level without marriage level information. Like you said, you're trying to gather information. And so then obviously you're just going to s- stop. It's like, okay, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And then you just quit. And I think that's where you said that it's paralyzed a generation And that's what's happened because we think, okay, well, I don't know. So if it's wrong, if I don't know, because I'm either leading somebody on or, you know, I'm, yeah, you're leading somebody on, then people just don't do it. And then people want to like, why don't y'all date like we used to? That's why. (laughs) And we're done. And we're done. (laughs) And thanks for joining. No. (laughs) Well, another thing I think too, that this culture's kind of created a backwards consumeristic culture. So everybody's waiting for the quote unquote perfect person or the perfect relationship because you know you had to know that this was god's best for you before you even entertain the thought of a first date right you have to be so informed and personally i've really had to kind of unlearn this myself because there is this sense of oh well if i just the longer i wait the more perfect he gets like a fine wine like the longer (laughs) i go the better this is gonna be and that's not true and Then in the process where you're sitting there waiting for perfect, you know, plenty of good and even great options get passed by. Yeah. On both sides. Well, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, this guy seems really great, but if I go on two more dates with him, we might as well get engaged. And what if there's something better? What if he's not really the best and the best is still out there, but I can't lead this guy on by going on a few more dates. So you're just not going to because you don't know what else might be out there. And y'all, that is such a wrong mentality when you're approaching relationships and marriage. And I'm saying that from the standpoint of, like you said, I've had to train my brain on this as well. It's not, it's not something you realize. It's not something I don't think people consciously do, but you get stuck in this cycle of constantly second guessing and you can't just relax and date someone for, I mean, it can be several months trying to just gather information and get to know them. You're not committing to anything necessarily when you do that. And that's okay. Yeah. And it just makes me, it breaks my heart, honestly, to think that on both sides, we are passing up on people because they're not perfect or people are passing up on us because we're not perfect. And then particularly, and I can't tell y'all how many people have DM'd us or emailed us and said, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm not getting asked out. My relationships aren't progressing. And there's this mentality that we get bogged down by that, oh, if I just, you know, wait a little longer. Oh yeah, they're, you know, they yeah. meet like 98% of my qualifications, but I might meet somebody that meets that other 2% and I don't want to, we call it settling. It's like, no, there's a difference between being realistic about your expectations and settling. And we talk all about that. You can go find several episodes we've done about non-negotiables oh, yeah. and preferences and list making and all of that. But I just really hate that this has been one of the repercussions of this whole thing because it's created a lot of unrealistic expectations in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. And has, I think, set a lot of people back in ways they didn't really 
want to be or expected to be. Or know that they were being. Yeah. Because you're told this is normal. So yeah, if you've asked yourself those questions, if you've wondered if you're the only one, if there's something wrong with you, there's not. You may need to do some retraining of your brain, but you are not alone. We have asked ourselves those questions. We have looked at other people and said, what are we doing wrong that we don't have that? And it's hard because a lot of times just the simple act of questioning why you weren't getting asked out on dates or why you're not going on more dates more often. Instead of that just being asking a question, a lot of times in church circles, it is automatically viewed as the same thing as questioning the character of God. And so you don't want to ask those questions because obviously that's not what you're trying to do. You can practically say, okay, what am I doing wrong that I'm not being asked out? And here, let me change some things. We've done episodes on that, putting your best foot forward and that sort of thing. And you can do that while maintaining the mindset that God is in control and he is sovereign and he is good. But when you're kind of taught that just asking those questions automatically means that you are not trusting the Lord, you quit asking the questions, which leads us to our next big problem here. <laughs> yes, and this problem I did not know had a name and actually it didn't until today. So Bethany calls me while I'm at work today and she was like, Kristen, um, let's talk about the episode tonight. And I was like, great, let's do that. And so I get down to um, point number two on our notes and it says the gap problem. And I'm like, what in the world is the gap problem? And she explains it to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I knew this was a problem. Now it has a name. So we're going to mm-hmm. trademark it or something, I'm sure, and like <laughs> hopefully make money off of it. Uh kidding. But Bethany, please explain the gap problem to people like me from earlier today that didn't know what it was. (laughs) Okay. So once I explain this, you're all going to be like, oh, duh. I just put a name to it. So we live in a generation of single Christian people who don't know how to date for the most part. And it's not their fault. (laughs) They, I think a lot of the burden of responsibility lies with generations before us who said, I think a lot of times out of fear, and then I kissed dating goodbye came along and they were like, oh my word, read this and do everything it says. But this idea that if you tell kids that boys are bad or girls are bad and stay away from them while they're younger, then they will. You just scare them a little. And then they grow up and they go go off to school, go off to college, and then they come back from college and you're like, okay, get married. You know, in the church, it's like, okay, why are you not married? Come on, get married. And so you, you grew up hearing, stay away from dating, you're too young, guard your heart, don't lead someone on, all of these things all through high school. And then you come back from college and they say, okay, get married. How? <laughs> and there's the gap. For real, though. There's the gap between single and married that no one knows what to do with because no one was taught how to date. And call it whatever you want to. Courtship, dating, getting to know someone. People were not taught how to date. They say, get married. And they're like, okay, well, what do I do? And for girls, you just sit back on the couch and wait for some guy to pursue you. That's another hot button word, Mm -hmm. pursuit. And we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, you have this gap problem because it's a huge knowledge gap in that nobody knows what to do. And that's so hard and so frustrating. Yeah. And then what's even more frustrating is the fact that there people are basically giving you four years to not only learn how to date, how to get into a relationship, how to, you know, interact with the opposite sex, but then also to untrain your brain everything you've been told for the last decade. Maybe. I mean, that's drastic. If you're like, if you love boys when you're like in fifth grade or whatever. <laughs> I mean, middle school. Yeah, middle school. Six, seventh grade. Seven years. Sure, yeah. Seven years. Okay. So... That's a process. I mean, like, yes. I said, we're still having to tell ourselves, okay, I know that this is not true. This is what I was told, but now I know it's not true. Or now I know that this is different. Or now I know I need to change my viewpoint on this because yeah. I've seen firsthand that this is not how it works. And so the fact that people expect 18 year olds to, by the time they're 22, have untrained their mind one way, trained their mind a different way. And found themselves in like a healthy, growing, mature adult relationship that's ready to like have a lifelong commitment. Yeah. You verbalize it like that. And you're like, wait, what? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, please take your time. Yes. But we don't think through that. No. We think like, oh, this is the normal progression of life. Like here's your recipe and meeting your spouse in college and getting married after graduation was normal. Exactly. All the air air quotes. Yeah. And so if that didn't happen or you didn't know what to do, you felt abnormal. Yes. Right. And then if you compound that with all the things that all the people in college were doing with each other, 
and you're trying to like live a godly life, but that's what's presented as how you do that. Mm-hmm. It's just a really murky situation. And I think my parents were not that far gone. Yeah, <laughs> so same. to speak. Same. Um, but they were more on the conservative side to where I, I walked that a little bit of like, okay, I'm in college. I had never really dated anyone and I didn't really know how. And so now I'm more of the type that I'm just going to figure it out, you know, but I didn't seriously date anyone until well after college, really. And so I know from experience that trying to walk this road of balancing honoring the Lord with not really knowing the only thing you see super regularly is the way the world dates. It's a tough balance. There's a tension there that's hard to navigate, I think. So that's why we kind of, we wanted to talk about the gap problem. And then the next thing we kind of want to roll into is the view of marriage that culture created. Cause it wasn't just this, Hey, here's how you date or here's how you court or here's how you don't date or here's, you know, yeah. When you change your mindset about everything, it's okay. Here's also our thought of, Here's how marriage should be. Right. And that was yeah, all think, over the place. Yeah. Too. I well, and I think one of the biggest things that came out of that is that idea that you're looking for perfection, that ideal, that perfect godly person kind of bled over into marriage to the point that it's like, okay, well, perfect, quote unquote, is all that really matters in marriage. You have this perfect relationship with the Lord and a perfect relationship with each other. And so that's what you're working towards. Um, and for guys you know, if you're looking for perfection, well then the prettiest girls get asked out or the funniest girls or the loudest girls or the most, you know, who get the most attention. Like those are the girls who get asked out and who get guys attention because they're that societal perfection, which is not healthy for anyone because guys are going to be so let down when they realize she's not. And that's really hard for girls to try to live up to. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's impossible. But then for girls, I think we take it in a different direction. We you get told, well, you got to find a guy who can lead you spiritually and he's got to be more mature than you are spiritually. And he has to be able to do all these things and he should be able to do that. But you can't expect this guy who's 23 years old to have just arrived spiritually and he's got everything figured out and he can lead you perfectly in a relationship. He's probably never been in a serious relationship. So why would he know how to do that? Because so much of dating and relationships is figuring that out as you go. It's a refining process in so many ways that you can have everything in your head of like what this is going to look like. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to say that, but you're dealing with another live human being and you can't plan that all out perfectly. And so girls, you've got to just look for patterns and potential in those things because you're not going to find perfection in them. And just in the same way, you would not want him to look for physical perfection in someone you can't look for spiritual perfection in him literally just about to say that (laughs) we're getting so good at this y'all the whole reading each other's minds thing I think it might actually be working no but seriously though I think Bethany's exactly right in that this there's this expectation for perfection but then there's also this entitlement mentality Mm -hmm. that I feel like Christians can have in dating that okay well since you did things the right way quote unquote you deserve an always happy marriage and no bumps in the road and everything's going to be wonderful. And that is not the case at all. I have seen people who have done their part and have dated well and have asked the questions and all the, you know, done all the things that would make sense on paper to be the right thing. And they got divorced. So you can't just say, oh, like this is not a merit based thing. Just like you don't earn a spouse. You yes. don't earn a happy marriage. That takes work. And Absolutely. I think also, just as a quick little sub point here, that I feel like the church also kind of has the same mentality in regards to sex. Like, oh, if you save yourself for marriage, mm. you're going to have a fantastic sex life. Like it's owed to you. Yeah. yeah. And everything's going to be perfect. You're not going to have to figure anything out. You're not going to be insecure. It's not going to be awkward or weird or anything. It's like, no, you're going to have to work at this just like you would work at any other aspect of your relationship. And just because you waited doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Yeah. So you can't go into it thinking, oh, if I follow all the rules and if I do everything right and if I, you know, check all the boxes, then my life's going to be as close to perfect as possible. Not the case. So keep that in mind. I'm trying to say that lovingly (laughs) and firmly all at the same time. But, you know, again, this is this is another thing I had to tell myself and be like, Kristen, you are not earning your way towards 
a husband or a great marriage Mm -hmm. or what you're going to have to work for it. And that starts now as you are preparing, as you're dating, as you're growing as your own individual person. And that will lead into that. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You tied a bow on that real well. Okay. So moving along, a couple of other things that have kind of shaped our view of marriage a lot of times because of this. And it's made it hard to get to that point of dating is while theology is very important and having a similar theology with the person you are married to is very important. And you should believe the same things about a lot of things. This may be a controversial thing to say. I don't feel like it is, but maybe it is that that should not be the sole focus in getting to know someone. Obviously, it's hugely important. I'm not trying to diminish that or minimize it at all. But if it's the only thing you're ever focusing on, I think you're going to be disappointed. It's not the only thing that will set you up for relational success. Having a similar theology is important, but it's also important that you agree on how you're going to spend money. Yeah. I mean, other things matter. Like, do you like spending time together? Do you have a big one? Yeah. Do you have things in common? What are your views on money and children and how to spend your time? And, you know, marriage is not a, um, oh, let me find a theology partner. Like, that's not the whole goal. Sure. No, I mean, it's very important, but you are going to spend out of a 24 hour day. I mean, you're going to spend a lot of time at work, apart from your spouse. And sure, you're going to spend time talking about the word and talking about what you're learning and what God is teaching you and time in prayer. But that is not going to occupy every bit of the rest of your time every day. No. So you've got to talk about other things too. Yeah. And like Bethany said, if you don't, that's not really taking the time to gain the information that we're encouraging you to try to find out and to, you know... Any relationship you have, think about, I always like to use friendship as a comparison because I feel like that's the closest thing we have to dating. Yeah. But like, all your friendships aren't based on whether or not you line up. Theolo- now, are your close inner circle friends pretty similar? Yes, they are. Because then when you're making decisions and you're asking for advice and you're, you're getting counsel from people who value the same things you do and exactly. who understand, you know, your morals and your, you know, your faith and all yeah. of that. And so... Obviously, it's a huge part of it, but if you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not looking into these other things and you're not setting yourself up for a successful relationship if you're not looking into these other things. So we can't skip them. Put them in their place. Yes. But don't skip them. And we're actually going to talk, what is it, the fourth episode, I think, in this series is about investigation. Yes. Which we had to just come up with a one-word little little catchy title. Uh, But... We're going to talk about other things you want to know about someone because this time of dating, the point of this is to fill that gap between singleness and marriage and decide, do you want to move from one to the other with this person? And so there are things you want to know. There are things you want to find out. And this is the time for doing that. So use that time wisely. Use it well to figure those things out. For sure. Okay, so now that we've kind of torn marriage apart yeah you know and depressed everyone um (laughs) we're not gonna leave you there no we won't so i mean we're kind of joking but these are some frustrating things they are they're confusing but like i said at the beginning god is not a god of confusion and so if you dive into his word and you're studying and wanting to learn how to model a relationship after what he calls us to be you're not going to stay in that place of confusion people will confuse you god will not That'll preach. Someone write that down. (laughs) So, yes, let's talk about God's view of marriage and what that looks like now. I think the most obvious view that God has of marriage is the reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. And I'm not going to get... We talked a lot about this in the last episode. We were kind of introducing this whole series. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and (laughs) hear it. But... Just as a kind of recap from last week, marriage is the closest thing we have as a reference that will portray Christ's relationship with the church. That's why it's such a highly regarded, holy, important thing within the church is because this is our human picture of what is a perfect relationship with or will eventually be established as a perfect relationship when we're all, right? you know in heaven but this is our imperfect representation of it (laughs) but i think that that is the that's kind of the foundation that we build 
every other view that we're about yeah. to talk about is this is how God refers to marriage in scripture. This is yeah, how he describes it and how well and he Paul created it, it. Yeah. Like remember that God created marriage. It's not a coincidence that it's like, oh, you know, this looks like Christ in the church. <laughs> huh? Like it's not like this co- I'm being kind of tongue in cheek, but it's not this coincidental thing. He created marriage knowing full well Jesus would come and die, be raised from the dead to redeem his people. It's not a coincidence that marriage reflects that. And so it is a holy calling. It is a a big deal, but it's not an accident, if that makes sense. No, and I think something that just kind of hit me, anybody who lived and was married before Jesus came, and before scripture was written, they didn't have this as a reference. They didn't have this as a picture. It's like, we don't need to discount the fact that we are so blessed in that we do have this picture. We got to see the perfect representation of sacrificial love when Jesus died for us. And we read that account. And I know we probably don't even understand a one millionth of what it actually meant because reading it and seeing it Mm -hmm. are two very different things. But we get to read that account and we get to learn about that and we get to see that and we get to have that as a reference that there are millions of people who didn't even get that. So if we have that, let's try our best not to screw it up more, (laughs) more more than is, you know, just inevitable was part of being human. But like we... Don't take for granted yes. that the grace that there is in that. Yeah. And, you know, I we're quick to, you know, call out the Israelites or they complain and like, all, you know, all these things. But it was a totally different world then. Oh, completely. On that side of the cross. Don't lose sight of the fact that we have such a clearer picture because it has all happened. Mm-hmm. They were looking forward to something that we look back on and... That's just, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. I, um, there's a song that I love and it is like nineties contemporary Christian music to its core, but it's, um, y'all remember Phillips, Craig and Dean? No. Did you know I them? Even, okay. My mom loved them. listening to them. It was these, that was their last names, Phillips, Craig and Dean. Okay. So anyway, it was these three guys who sang and there was a song that was called Mercy Came Running and it was talking about at the crucifixion and the resurrection and one of the lines is i could like talking about in the the veil in the temple it's like at that moment you could almost see mercy's face pressed against the veil just waiting to come through like at that Mm. moment like it's there and it's waiting and then the veil's torn in two and mercy is released and just thinking about like that's a cool picture yeah i love that line it's one of my favorite things just thinking about Yes, I could almost see Mercy's face pressed against the veil. We have a totally different view of life because we have Christ and his finished work on the cross and mercy has been released to everyone. We're not under law anymore. We're not held to that standard. There's not all of the sacrifices and we are getting way off topic now. I could go on for a really long time. We're getting into our little but we'll like, stop that theological there nerd because we're talking parts. way more about like yeah yeah. But at the end of the day, just don't take for granted the example you have. Yes, and follow it as best you can with what you know. Yeah. So that's okay. That's that. Moving, Moving on. on. Okay, so we're talking about marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. So if that's what we're modeling after, then we have to say, okay, well, what did Jesus do for the church? Right. And so I have, I'm going to paraphrase and condense the key parts here. You guys go read these verses. It's Philippians 2, 3 to 9. It's talking about how we should live and that it is modeling after Christ. And it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, regard one another as more important. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is where we know, okay, we are modeling after Christ here. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Think about that for a minute. But he emptied himself. He took the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. 
So in other words, what didn't he do for us? Yes. Would be the statement. But what about that is self-serving? What about that is easy? What about that is fun, but it's good and it's loving and it's all of these things that we say we want to find in a spouse but we just want it to be fun and happy all the time. And that's just a wrong focus on what marriage is. And so if the point of dating is to get to marriage, then you should be looking for someone who is modeling selflessness, humility, all of these things, someone who will pour themselves out for you. But at the same time, you better make sure you are being those things for them too. It's not a one way thing. So that's what marriage should be. Two people doing that, trying to outdo one another in showing preference to the other person. That's a good marriage right there. And who doesn't want that? Honestly. Yeah. Because I think that that's what we all, we want somebody who not only will do these things, but that you get to, there's this sense of like, I want to be this for somebody else. You know, I feel like specifically with women, we have these thoughts of like, I, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I hear a lot of girls say like, I can't wait to be a wife. I can't wait to, you know do these things for my husband and to be able to like serve him in this way and to fulfill this role in a marriage. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Women have that mentality. And I think a lot of men have the same thing. I don't talk to as many guys about stuff like that. So I'm, (laughs) I'm just spitballing here, but you know, that is beautiful. It is. And you read me that and I'm like, where sign me? Where do I sign? Exactly. Because that is and that's what's going to last. Yes. And I that's what I, exactly what I was going to say. If you have two people doing that, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if you laugh at all the same jokes. It doesn't matter all these secondary things. Now, we said earlier, oh, these things are important too. And the reason they're important is because no one does this perfectly. Mm-hmm. If two people did all of those things we just talked about as perfectly as Jesus did, nothing else would matter. But they don't. And so, if you take it down to its basics, the only requirement of two people to be married is that they be believers. Sure, there are other things that are wise and prudent to consider, but they're not required when it comes to a relationship determining whether or not it would be sinful or not to be married. So if that is all that is required in scripture, what does that say about what's most important to God? And he sets up what relationships should look like, but he says any two believers should be able to do this. And so those other things are important because like I said, it's two sinful fallen people trying to be selfless, but it doesn't always work. You have to have that mutual worldview, mutual outlook on how to do life or it won't work. But that's because we're fallen. If we were like, all that is required is that two people be believers. Mm -hmm. So it's not the only important thing, but it is the most important thing. And if you find yourself in a relationship where that is there, you can work anything else out. Yeah, and that's why we talk about, like, putting things in their proper place. And we were talking earlier about, do you like being around each other? And do you, (laughs) you know, what are your views on other, like, keeping things in the right priority and the right perspective. Because, like Bethany said, a lot, if you find somebody that does this, then you can kind of, like, figure the other stuff out. If you find somebody who meets all of your, like, oh, he's tall and he's cute and he's funny and he's, but he doesn't do all this. You're doomed. Yeah. Yeah. And I've told this story multiple times. I'll tell it again in case you haven't heard it. But (laughs) when I first made my very first list of what I wanted my husband to be like, look like, qualities, I was in the car with my parents and my dad is laughing because my mom and I, we're writing everything down. She's like, Kristen, be specific. I was like, okay. Um, And my dad, I will never forget this, looks at me and says, Kristen, as long as you find somebody who loves the Lord and loves you well, everything else will will come from that. That's what you're looking for. And that's what this is. Yeah. And I will tell all of, I sound old, all of you girls out there who are younger, it's easy to hear that and say, yeah, well, but, or okay, dad, yeah, whatever. Yeah, because definitely rolled my eyes when he told me that the first time. Yes, exactly. And I would have too. But I can tell you now, how old were you then? 15, 16, 17. 17. Okay, I'm 33. It's been so almost 10 years 15 ago years yeah. later from that age in my life, every bit of what he said is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that now from experience of seeing when those things weren't lined up. And it does not work. Mm-mm. So now I'm the old person telling you, take my word for <laughs> take it, my kids. Word for it. <laughs> oh, 
gosh. Oh, man. All right, let's keep going. So okay. we're talking, we talked about, okay, foundation of God's view of marriage is the reflection of Christ for the church. A couple other things we wanted to include that we believe are incorporated in God's view of marriage. One, this is a partnership to serve and glorify the Lord. Not I mean, yourselves. No, this is marriage at its core. It's the most foundational thing about it. You are partnering with somebody to further the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at a women's conference once and Millie Welsh was speaking and she said, you want to find someone who you can serve God with better together than you could by yourself. Yep. And I was like, dang, that is good. Like, And I haven't, I mean, that's been yeah. what, five, six years ago? Yeah. And latch on to that. Yeah. If you, take, <laughs> if you take one thing out of this, that's a that's a good one to, to take. Yeah. Because when you're dating someone, you know good and well whether or not you're moving closer to the Lord or further away from him while you're dating that person. And there is no middle ground. Mm-hmm. So you know whether or not you're serving the Lord better because this person is pushing you closer to the Lord or whether you're getting pulled away and distracted from that. So if... You take one thing, take that. That will inform you well, I think. Yeah, and even to the sense of, yeah, you want to make sure that they're not pulling you from, but even if you're serving him and you're going in different directions, that's another thing for you to think about too, is, yeah, I may be, you know, feeling called to do ministry in this way, and he may be called to ministry a completely different way. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, then maybe this doesn't make sense for us to be together. Yeah. I have a friend who she feels very called to do international missions. The guy she was dating did not want to leave the country, so they broke up. And I think that is something that is reason enough to break up. I think yeah. if you have two people who should be married, God will align those desires. He's not going to leave you, or lead you, I should say, into a marriage where your ministry is going two different directions. He's not going to place that kind of calling on people who are meant to be married, I don't believe. No. Because that is not something that will further his kingdom well. No, it's going back to that running analogy. Yeah. all know I love running. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're, you're running your race and you're doing what God's calling you to do and you find someone who's running at the same pace and in the same direction as you are. Yeah. And those are the people you want to partner with. Exactly. Okay, a couple other things. I think in regards to God's view of marriage, marriage is a relationship that is based on intimacy. Whether that is spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, you become one with your spouse. Mm -hmm. You don't ever become one with anybody else on this planet. Nope. And this is where we were saying earlier, there's more to find out about someone other than just if your views on faith and theology line up. Is this very, very important? Absolutely, 100%. We're not discounting it. But you will relate to your spouse in ways that you won't relate to anybody else. And that's the way it should be. Yes. You're not going to be emotionally intimate with anyone else no. like you are with your spouse. You're not going to be physically intimate the way you will be with your spouse, with anybody else. And so you want to be with somebody where there is the, you see the potential for that kind of intimacy. Yes. In the context of marriage. Right. Yeah. It's not something you try out beforehand. You don't try that out before, but you want to see if it's going to progress to that level. Mm -hmm. But as you're looking for that, one thing I would just encourage you, and I would encourage us to, we have got to reframe how we define romance. Because when you're looking for all of these things, you've got to remember romance isn't always roses or elaborate gestures or poetry. Romance is sacrifice and commitment and attentiveness, and grace, and faithfulness, and humility, all even when you don't want to. Mm. That is true romance. And so when you're looking for things about how are we going to get along, is it fueled by those things? Because that's what you want to look for. I think we've distorted romance in a lot of ways. Because if you boil down what you like about romance, it's that he thought of you. And he was intentional and (laughs) he paid attention to what you like and he maybe sacrificed something that he wanted to go do or to go buy or to go see or whatever to do something for you. That's what makes it special. Because if some guy comes home and brings you flowers with a terrible attitude, that's not romantic at all. No, it's not. But it's, this is deep down what it is. We've gotten so far removed from that that we want the results of the romance more than the actual mindset behind it. And we've got to go back to the mindset and the attitude and the heart posture is what we're yes. looking for. 
Absolutely. Okay, so final thing we're going to walk you through. Y'all know we love giving y'all practical takeaways. We talk a lot about, you know, not idealistic. What's the word? No, ideals. Ideals. And what to strive for. Yeah, I think that's right. Yes, but we always like to try to boil it down and give you guys some practical, tangible takeaways. Like some actionable items you can implement tomorrow. Yes. So we are going to walk you through how to get to marriage through modern dating. And we're going to kind of contrast it with some of the, you know, things we've talked about from the courtship culture. Again, pointing out the mindset behind a lot of these things were good, but the manifestations can be different and still be God honoring and set you up well for a good marriage. Yes. So just for starters, we'll go broad and we'll get deeper there you now. Go. <laughs> Courtship versus dating. The definition of courtship, if you're not familiar with it, what the heck is this word that they have been talking about this whole time? So courtship is basically where you never date just the two of you. You always have, it was called a chaperone yeah. in the book. Yeah. But you're in a group, someone else is with you. A lot of this was to protect you physically, which again, I get, I get that. I get that. But I'll just be real blunt here. If you want to do something with someone, you can, you're going to find a way. You can find a way. I'm leaving it at that. Yes. Moving on. So there is a difference, though, between always being in a group and, as Bethany has coined the phrase, you don't date in a bubble. It's important for you to spend one-on-one time with the guy you're dating because... You're not going to get to marriage one day. Bethany literally says on the phone today, Kristen, you're not going to get married and then live in a group home. Like, that's just not (laughs) how this works. Like, you are going to be alone with him. And you've got to learn, how do you interact when you are alone? Because you're going to be different. Yes. How do you conversate? You're going to want to... That's not a word. Conversate is a word. I don't think so. Converse? Yeah. I'm pretty sure conversate is a word. Look it up, though. Okay. How... Okay, hold on. How you talk to each other the topics that you're going to talk about are going to be different it is. i told you okay <laughs> y'all bethany didn't think conversate was a word now i just it's a word in case anybody was wondering how you conversate with him is going to be <laughs> different and the things that you talk about when it's just him are going to be different than if his parents are around or if your friends are around or yeah. whatever so you want and you want to just do things together in general as yes. far as serving together and going ha- doing fun activities together well, sure, and spending time together. There's wisdom in not being alone all the time. Oh, like for we, sure. Like we said, there's wisdom in going out in groups. There's like I have the rule, like we've talked about, I won't spend time alone in my house with the guy I'm dating. There's wisdom in that. So those aren't your only two options though. Like spending all of your time in a group and being at home alone. Go out in public serve you want to see how he yeah like you said interacts with others how does he treat the server at a restaurant how does he treat people that you come into contact with and when you're just the two of you he's not going to be as on his best behavior and neither are you and you'll be able to let your guard down and really get to know each other another thing too that is very prominent in the courtship mindset which i again see the wisdom in is this idea of pursuit and what that looks like and in a lot of times what you'll hear is basically you should wait on him for everything he should call you first he should text you first he should plan everything and like all of these things and it's like okay this is what pursuit looks like but true pursuit which is what we all want is not seen through him going through the motions of whatever societal norms are deemed to indicate pursuit Like we said way back at the beginning of the episode, a generation ago, there were no cell phones. So pursuit looked different then. Today there are, and you can text, but just because you may text him first doesn't mean he's not pursuing you. You can text him first. You can plan a date if you wanted to, if there's something you've really been wanting to go to or something he's really been wanting to go to, and you want to plan that, it doesn't mean he's not pursuing you. You can call him. You don't have to sit by the phone and have these things you really need to talk to him about, but well, he hasn't called, so you can't talk about them. Like, call him. It's fine. In my mind, when I'm looking for someone, true pursuit is him seeking to truly know you and what is important to you, appreciating what matters to you, and seeking to push you closer to the Lord through all of it. Who cares if he only texts you good morning four out of seven days of the week? You know what I mean? Like we say, okay, these things indicate pursuit, but they're not going to for everyone. So when you hold a standard like that, that is not 
biblical. I'm not saying it's unbiblical, but it is not something in the Bible. There are not this kind of laid out thing for what that looks like. You have to be really careful applying that as a blanket statement to all men because it's not going to look the same for everyone. I completely agree. What you do want to look for is, is he showing initiative? Is that a general pattern in your relationship? Is he showing improvement? Maybe he doesn't show the most initiative, but is he working on it? Does he realize that? Is he working to lead well? You're not looking for perfection in that, but is he working towards it? Is he making that effort? That's what you want to look for. Yeah, because if a guy is, if I can tell a guy is trying and that he's spending time with me whenever he can. If that's not constantly, that's not, that doesn't mean he's not pursuing me. But if he's making an effort to talk to me when he can, spend time with me when he can, and making it a priority as much as he can, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I want to know that the guy I want to be with wants to be with me. Yes. And if he's showing me that, fantastic. That's pursuit. Yes. It's not checking 14 boxes of, hey, let me sit on the couch and do nothing. (laughs) Because I think, too, that I think pursuit and showing interest have been kind of coupled in a Mm. sense of like, oh, I'm a girl, so I can't pursue, so I can't show any. No, you want to show him you're interested. You want to affirm that you feel things about him that like <laughs> yes, he feels about you too so basic yeah absolutely and once you start dating that doesn't just stop like you you're gonna want to let him know yeah it's not like you flirt with someone just to get them to notice you and then you start dating and you stop yeah no that's you, not how this works no you want to <laughs> keep it going and right. just like you want him to continue to show you interest he wants the same from you yeah so don't Don't take the lazy way out. Yes, exactly. And don't make those synonyms when they're not. Yes. Good point. Um, Another thing that, y'all, this may be funny for some people and it may be very real and very in the moment for others, depending (laughs) on where you're at, is guys asking your dad permission to date you or your parents being like very much involved in your dating life. Um, versus more of an advisory role with your parents if you're wanting to take kind of sides there, I guess, without taking sides. (laughs) And this looks different based on how old you are. If you are in high school and listening to this, which I love that we've been hearing from more of our high school listeners. I think it's so cool that y'all are listening to this. Side note, would y'all want to hear if we did some like high school specific things, would that be something that enough of y'all want to hear about send us a dm or an email if that's something that would interest you or go put it on the form in our instagram bio yeah or i'll do a poll on instagram okay we'll put a poll on instagram if that's something that you would like to hear because right now we don't really do a lot of that we're kind Mm -hmm. of more on the later end of things so if enough of you want to hear it though we could definitely (laughs) dig back into the archives of our brain from high school (laughs) and yeah do some stuff for that yeah that's a great idea i'm glad you said that unpause go ahead (laughs) but this looks different your parents' involvement looks different based yeah. on your age. And we are the first people to tell you, if you are still under your parents' authority, rule number one is follow your parents' rules for dating. Absolutely. Whatever that is. Yep. And we actually over our, was it over our Q&A or was it a couch cast over the break that we did kind of how to honor your, we did. It was a, the Q&A. It was a Q&A. it was one of the early Q&A So episodes. we talked about honoring your parents. And so if you want more on that, you can go listen to that. But... My personal experience, just because that's all I have to go on here, um, (laughs) my parents were very involved. I did date in high school and nothing like super, you know, serious, obviously, because I'm not with the guys I dated (laughs) in high school anymore. But my parents let me date in high school, but they were very much involved. Mm -hmm. And my mom was, you know, checking my phone and I had phone curfews and there were chaperones and all, you know, all the things. But whereas now I am 20... Six. Almost, almost 27. Almost 27. <laughs> Guys, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> my parents really are more just advi- advice givers to me yeah. now. And I go to them to ask them for wisdom and advice. But it's not like, oh, I need a guy to go make sure it's cool with my dad to date me. I'm like, I haven't lived with my parents in almost 10 years. Yeah. But now the only thing that I will say is I would love it if a guy asked my dad for permission to marry me. That is... I- he has to, from my perspective. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. That's really. That's a rule of mine. <laughs> that's something that I just think is very honoring and respectful and kind. Um, and is something that I would like for him to do. Yeah. 
But other than that, that's the only permission you're needing from my parents at this point. And that's fine and good. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I will say this. I was saying, oh, yeah, a guy has to ask for my dad's permission to marry me. Like, that's a rule I have. And it is. It's something, like, I want my parents' blessing. And, like, he would need to do that. However, there is nothing sinful if he doesn't, I don't think. No, I don't either. I I think guys should. And they should recognize that you're under your father's authority and you're under his protection and that transfers to the guy you marry. And so he should respect and want to, to be invested in that relationship with your parents, but he doesn't have to follow these rules. It's not, no. does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay. So then our last one is, and I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to quite word this one, but I came up with finally setting a precedent, quote unquote, versus submitting only to your husband. Let me explain for a minute. What I'm saying is there is a huge emphasis on the courtship model placed on setting a precedent for marriage in the way you model your relationship. And that is a very valid and a very right way of thinking at its core. But hear me on this. Your boyfriend is not your husband. Preach. Don't forget that. You should be setting a precedent. That's why I couldn't figure out how to word this. You are going to be setting precedents for how you interact in your marriage while you're dating. But you don't start doing those things while you're dating. You've got to remember that. Your boyfriend should not be dictating your decision making. He should not be replacing all other outside counsel more like a husband would. He should not, like, he shouldn't always necessarily be the absolute first person you go talk to about things. Love is blind. We've heard it. When you're dating somebody, you're going to think he's awesome. And if you only take his word about everything about him, he's going to think he's awesome too, because we all do. So you need that outside counsel. You need parents. You need mentors saying, hey, as an objective third party observer here, I'm noticing this. And if you just get so caught up in him, like you would in a husband who he is going to be your first and oftentimes only counsel because what you decide in your relationship is all that matters. But that is not your boyfriend's place. And you should not be doing that. Do you want to look for solid decision making patterns in him? Absolutely. Because when you get married, you need to see that but he's not the only consult on a decision you're making while you're dating. Husbands provide for their families. Boyfriends don't. There is no responsibility on your boyfriend to provide for you. Husbands are responsible to lead spiritually. That is a command to them. It is not a command to boyfriends. You again want to look for patterns of that, but you're not placing on your boyfriend the responsibilities and commands of a husband when he is not that. I think you're kind of like we talked about earlier, you're getting the cart before the horse your commitment level is outpacing the reality of where you are in that relationship at that moment. Yeah, and what it boils down to is Ephesians 5 makes it very clear that wives submit to your husbands. Girlfriends do not submit to their boyfriends. That is not your role or responsibility in a dating relationship, nor should he demand that from you in a dating relationship. Do you want to see if he's somebody that you would be willing to submit to in the context of marriage? Absolutely. Do you have to now when you're dating him? Absolutely not. So like we say all the time, you're looking for potential and patterns of all these things in your boyfriend so that should he become your husband, you are comfortable with him helping you with your decision making and, you know, kind of becoming your main source of counsel and providing for you and leading you spiritually. But to expect or require these things of him now, physically or emotionally, is not fair to him. It's not his role. And that's not where you should be going to find all of those things. Right. So, like Bethany said, don't get the cart before the horse here. Go in order. (laughs) And, you know, you're you're looking for the potential, but you're not requiring it of him yet, is really kind of what we're saying. Okay. So let's wrap this up here. Whew, what a doozy of a conversation. <laughs> so I will leave you with one question. Does this sound hard? It's not a trick question. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> it does sound hard. And it sounds that way because it is. Marriage is hard work. It is two sinners committing to this covenant for life. But just like so many other things in life, hard and difficult are so worth it. Trust me. We want it to be all sunshine and roses and romantic gestures, too. But that's not real life. And that is why it is so important to find a man who is on his own pursuing these things, pursuing Christ and pursuing holiness. A man who is slow to anger, quick to forgive, 
vulnerable before the Lord and you. And then a man who takes all of that and pursues you with that same determination. These are the things that matter in a marriage. And while it's not Hollywood glamour, it is real romance. And you won't ever be sorry you gave up the imitation for the real thing. You won't regret that. I mean, you can't even, I can't even add to that. That's just so perfect. <laughs> so, what, Bethany, our closer, once again, there we go. has fulfilled her role. Okay. But yes. It's hard, but it's worth it, guys. It is. And at the end and of the day. And we're telling ourselves that right alongside you. Absolutely. We are learning and reminding and encouraging each other right as we're in the trenches of this with you. We're not, I mean, obviously we're not married and on the other side of this looking back. So we get it. We relate. You're not alone, but keep pursuing Christ and he will honor your diligence. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, that wraps up this first of, what do we have? Three or four more? There's four more. Four more points or themes of dating. Yeah. Whatever we're calling this. Next week is sanctification. Ooh. So always that a fun, should be fun. <laughs> always a fun topic. Um, so we will be back next week with that conversation. Yep. And of course, as always, we will be back on Friday with a couch cast episode. Yep. But until then, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. Mm-hmm.